Hey, what's up, homies? Welcome to the next episode of the Homies Real Estate Podcast. Got a good one for you. This is your host, Anthony. I'm Angel. I'm a realtor. I'm a lender. And hopefully together, we can give you a pretty good idea of what's happening in today's crazy real estate market. We're going to go over some real estate news for the week, and then we're going to jump into a question I get all the time. I want to invest in real estate. Do you have any tips for me? So we're going to go over some tips for future real estate investors. So you want to make sure you stay tuned in for the end of this podcast. We go over those tips. All right. So let's go ahead, Angel. Let's jump into the news for the week. So one thing that I always hear is we don't have that much new listings, right? There's not that many homes being listed. And that's actually incorrect. Yes, we have less inventory, but it's not less new listings. We actually have more new listings, especially here in Los Angeles County. We've had more new listings last month in March than we had since 2017 in that March, right? So year over year, we've had more listings in this past March since 2017. Actually, 42% more listings than last March. The thing is that homes, there's not less homes being listed. It's just that homes are selling faster than ever. In Los Angeles County, that is 10 days on market. Whereas from 2017 to 2020, the last you know four years, we're talking a range from 15 to 29 days. So that's why it feels like there's very little inventory. It's just that homes are being sold quicker than ever. So those homes are getting put off the market a lot faster, right? And going into escrow. Angel, what catches your attention about this? Um, not really surprising in the sense that we, you know, us being in, in the business, we know how quick homes are going. Um, and it's just, yeah, there's, it's, it's, this makes a hundred percent sense as, as there is homes coming on the market, but they're just selling ridiculously quick and kind of give you an example of that. Recently, I had a client make, make an offer in a home in the city of Whittier on that home alone, there were 60 offers, just that one property. Um, and that's not that's not like a one, it's not, it wasn't a special home or anything. It was just a nice home. Um, and a lot of people wanted it, right? So right now it's very common on one property to get double digit offers, right? 10 plus offers on one home. So 60 was a little mind boggling to me. That seemed kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but um, it makes sense that there's just so much, so many, so much people wanting homes, but so little inventory, right? goes back to simple economic supply and demand. Um, there's not enough supply to meet that demand right now. Yeah, and you'll know the round of dots. So I actually wrote a six offer this past weekend. And from those six offers, the amount of offer that those homes re- those homes received ranged from the as little as 12 to as much as 33. So their homes are getting, you know, 10 plus offers uh, if they're properly marketed and properly priced. So yes, homes are selling faster than ever. So it's not necessarily that we have less inventory, it's just that we have more demand and homes are selling faster. And not only are they selling faster, but a lot of much higher for the most part above asking price. So, you know, I'm saying, I would say at least 30,000 right now over asking 20, 30,000, maybe a little more. So that is also something to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, actually when I was pulling some numbers for the city of Downey in the last 10 days, there was two homes that sold over hundred thousand dollars over asking price the majority of, of homes did sell from that twenty to fifty thousand dollar over asking price range so that does give you 
generic idea of how much homes are selling over asking price right now. Um, so, Angel, let's go ahead and jump into the next one. The median price of newly built homes was slightly lower in March than the median price of an existing home that sold that month. So that's very, very interesting, right? So according to this article, the national median price of a newly built single family home sold in March was $330,000. According to the U.S. Census, the national median price of an existing single family home sold in March was $334,500, according to the National Association of Realtors. But you aren't likely to pay uh, less for a newly uh, for a new home than a used one. That's due in large part to the shortage of lower price homes on the market. So on a per square foot basis, within comparable markets, a new home is still priced higher than an existing home. So a lot of people have been saying, you know what, it makes more sense to purchase a property that's newer because it's more affordable. And yes, according to these numbers, it, it might be more affordable, but that's because they're smaller homes that are price on the lower end of the spectrum, right? But on a per square foot basis, right, a bigger home, then a newer home is going to cost you more than an existing home. What kind of your attention about this, Angel? Um, that's kind of, it's just an interesting fact. Um, I would, you would, you would assume that a newly built home would be more expensive than a, an existing home. Um, but yeah, uh, again, you, there's always more to it, right, than just the number, the purchase price. So, Anthony said the square foot, the per square foot basis is it's higher on a on a on an existing, excuse me, on a newly built home. So you're not truly getting a home for cheaper, right? So, um, but at the end of the day, I don't think it matters rather the square foot and and the price necessarily. I mean, like as long as you can afford it, and if you like the newly built homes more than the existing homes, and tr truly, I think that's all that matters. But um, that's just an interesting fact that a, a new a newly built home is, is a little cheaper than again an existing home yeah it is an interesting fact and i personally like to look at price per square foot as opposed to median sales price just because it usually has a more predictable path right it's a more predictable trend to to predict whereas median sales price you can have one home that just sells or you, you can have a month where just homes just sell for a lot Right. And it just kind of throws it all off. Seasonality of real estate just really affect this. But when it comes to medium price per square foot, it typically just continues to increase at the current appreciation rate. Uh, Angel, let's go ahead and jump into your world. Let's jump into interest rates. So mortgage rates dropped to their lowest level in in around two months, prompting a small resurgence in refinance activity, refinance activity after six weeks of declines. So according to Mortgage News Daily, the average 30-year fixed rate mortgage right now is 3.14%. Talk to me about this. Yeah, so spot on about for the last two months, these are probably the lowest rates have been. Um, I don't know how long it's gonna be this low, right? Uh, last week, they, or excuse me, last week, I meant, I meant to say yesterday, we got, the rates did go up just a bit. So I don't know if that means that's a sign that they're going to go come back up. Um, I do expect summertime since that's the time for buyers, you know, rates probably are going to go up, you know, considering there's even going to be more, even, even though we have such a demand right now, there's going to be more demand once summertime hits. Um, but yeah, still really good time to refinance, still really good time to purchase. And just in general, this whole year rate should be low. So, um, 
big reason why there's such a demand for buyers because people are trying to take advantage of, of these low rates. Yeah, and what's interesting, what's interesting is that in the last 52 week span, right? So pretty much ever since we've had uh, low interest rates, right? Ever since the Federal Reserve said, hey, we're gonna keep interest, interest rates low through uh, 2023, uh, that has varied, right? So interest rates were as competitive at one point as 2.75% and as high as 3.45%. The good news is that it has been trending downwards. So until that trend breaks, we can probably expect it to continue to trend slowly down, uh, maybe even break 3.1%, uh, maybe even low 3%. So really good news for uh, prospective home buyers. And remember, it's not about the cost of the home, right? I'm sorry, not about the price of the home. It's about the cost of the loan. That's more important. So a home could be $100,000 more expensive, but if the interest rates are 1% less, then that home is probably going to cost you less because the interest rates affect that mortgage let's go ahead angel jump into something else that's part of your world mortgage applications so last week was the first overall increase in mortgage applications since the end of february applications to refinance a home also jumped 10 percent for the week but we're still 23 percent lower than a year ago according to the mortgage bankers association talk to me about this angel so for the first one yes there was definitely you know more at least speaking from personal standpoint especially on the refinance especially on the refinance side more getting more calls and more people inquiring about refinances as they're seeing that the rates dropped um and it makes sense since the end of february because around the end of february is when rates started going back up so the really when i think the mortgage applications are increasing and decreasing it's what's causing that is the refinance market right when the rates are up then the refinance, less people are calling for refinances. When they see them go down, more people are going to be calling about refinancing their home. Um, in regards to it being lower than last year, these numbers may be just a little skewed in the sense that at this time last year, April, May, is when the Federal Reserve decided to drop the rates, right? When they said that they were going to drop interest rates, to not home interest rates, but rates, interest rates, and, and that affect the loan side to 1%. So that's when we started seeing interest rates drop to the low, the, I think they're already in the twos around this time last year and the higher and the lower threes. So people hadn't seen those rates in a long time. So mm -hmm. that's when people right away started wanting to refinance their home to take advantage of it. So there was a big surge in applications around this time last year. Um, but yeah, still in general, again, can't emphasize that enough. Anybody thinking of refinancing or buying, it's a great time right now in regards to the rate side. Again, it's not, Anthony says not the price of the home, it's the cost of the home, very, very important. Yeah, ain't no nailed it right there, right? So yes, it's gonna be less year over year than what we saw a year ago because interest rates were historically low for the first time in a very, very long time. Everyone just surged to the markets to get refinanced and to try to get pre-approved for a loan. So that's why we had a lot of mortgage applications at this time, but still very, very strong, very, very good time uh, to get uh, pre-approved or to still refinance. And remember, we're hitting the time of the year where it's typically the warmest, more buy uh, buyers want to start uh, hitting the market. Sellers want to start listing their homes. So that's why a lot more mortgage applications are going to start occurring. So we, I can expect this number to probably start to trend back up again um, as, as we head into spring and, and early summer. So with this said, I want to go ahead now and jump into some tips for future real estate investors or those real estate people that are investing already right i know there's a lot of homies out there 
that have been asking me about these tips. So let's go ahead and let's jump into the first tip. That would be to purchase a multifamily property first. And if you're going to purchase a multifamily property, go FHA if you have the means, right? Why, you know, should we go FHA if you're going to purchase a multifamily property? So I always, anybody who's interested in real estate investing, any clients that come to me and tell me, hey, uh, you know, this is just going to be my first home, you know, but in the long run, I'm, I just want to keep it later to rent it out or, um, you know, this is just, this is not my forever home basically, right? But I do want to keep this home for the future. I always recommend clients to go look at the option of a duplex on an FHA loan or maybe three to four units. It's a little harder to qualify three to four units on an FHA loan, which maybe on another podcast we can get in more detail on. But uh, anyways, you can you can purchase a multifamily unit on an FHA loan with three and a half percent down, right? There's not really any other loan out there that's going to give you that option. That in the past, conventional gave you that option. Now they made it a little harder because they have income limits on those programs. So not many people qualify for that for those for those loans anymore. Um, but FHA, no income limits. Um, there's just the loan limits, but the loan limits are extremely high. So um, it's not like you're going to be priced out or anything. Um, but the reason why it's good, again, is that it's three and a half percent down. You have a low interest rate to start off. And I think for a lot of first time home buyers, taking starting to pay for a mortgage right can be scary it, it's 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 you know you may be paying two thousand dollars a month twenty five hundred so if you get a single family residence thirty four hundred thirty five hundred you're talking about a thousand dollar increase in your monthly payment that you have to adjust your lifestyle to right so if someone especially people that are you know single or people who it's just they don't have any kids yet anything like that i really suggest looking at the multifamily option because not only are you going to be able to get a duplex right for your future, but for right now, that duplex is also going to help you cover your monthly payment where you'll probably still be paying the same as you did with rent. If you looked at this option, believe it or not, rents are extremely expensive right now. So you can you can definitely rent your house for rent that second unit more than what you would actually think. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a really good start again, just to keep that initial investment low while also gaining equity over the years. And once you're ready to move on to that next step, um, then you can keep this property and keep renting it out and it, will, it should be paying for itself every month. Absolutely. So the key to this is, you know, putting down as little money as you can to get into your property, right? And FHA, you can put down three and a half percent, whereas conventional, you have to put down a minimum of 15%, correct? You know, for 15% on a duplex. Yeah. 15% for a multifamily. So that's really, that's a lot of money for most, right? You're talking, you know, a hundred plus thousand dollars or, uh, maybe like 70 plus thousand dollars for a good you know wild price duplex right so very very important um and i actually did recently sell this to one of my prop one of my clients right a duplex and angel nailed it around the dot dude uh his mortgage is going to be roughly about 42 4300 dollars he's already renting the back unit out for 2300 so half of that He's only going to have to live there for about a year. Then he can move on to the next property, right? Correct. So once he lives there for about a year, he's going to rent that front unit out probably for a very similar price, right? $2,300. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be cash flow positive after just one year. And that's not to mention that once you get to 20% equity, you remove that mortgage insurance and then it makes your payment that much more affordable. So you just want to continue to uh, keep these properties mm -hmm. and just continue to acquire as you move on. Let's and, go ahead. Go ahead. And, oh, and just one thing to mention too, Anthony said you remove mortgage insurance, 
but also remember um just depends on yourself as as a you know a homeowner and a landlord but you can always increase your rents too right so that yeah. can give you more profits or if someone leaves uh, one of your tenants leave you reset the the, the rent value and at that specific unit so you know it's not like you're going to be at 4600 forever that's just to start now mm -hmm. you should expect more and more each year right so as as rents continue to go up your rent at your property as well is going to go up absolutely another thing to know is that if you go fha in order to remove that mortgage insurance you are going to need to refinance it 100 percent makes sense for most people right you're going to be saving about 500 dollars, 400 dollars a month uh, it makes sense just to do that. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and jump into our second tip for prospective real estate investors. So listen in, homies. It's to leverage when purchasing property, right? So try to put down as little money as possible. So rather than putting 20% down to get into your property, if you have the means and you can afford the monthly payment, then I would prefer and I would suggest you probably go with as little money down. That way, you don't have so much of your money that's tied up to one property. That way, you can continue to acquire assets year over year rather than having to wait until you get enough uh, uh, money to be able to purchase another tw property 20% down, right? Yes, it's going to cost you more because you're going to have to pay for mortgage insurance. Your payment's going to be you know, quite a bit more. But if you can afford if you can afford to, this can accelerate how fast you start to acquire property. And you'll go ahead and talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, go, coming in with as little as possible, I agree. You know, I don't think, you know, if you can avoid 20 to 25% down, yes, you're, again, you're, you don't have to pay mortgage insurance if you do that, which is awesome. But um, why it's not necessary in a lot of, in a lot of points, right? So what, what I would recommend, this is what I would recommend, you the first, if you guys are looking at, you know, from a, real, from a real estate investment standpoint, purchase your first home, FHA duplex, right? Or if you can do the three to four units, even better. Um, but let's just say duplex. Your second home, I would recommend going your con conventional loan, 5% down, right? So you can purchase your next home 5% down as your primary residence. And you still know, okay, this next home is not going to be my last home, right? I'm going to get a bigger home later. So now you have your duplex and you have your and you have your your house so you have three units but now nowadays we have something that's called an adu so on that on that single family residence you can convert that garage to another rental income to another to another unit basically right so you can rent that garage and say twelve hundred dollars a month so now you have four units right and all you did was put three and a half percent down on your first home and put five percent down on your second home again in 30 years once you retire those those four units in total will probably be cash flowing you around ten thousand dollars a month. Don't you know by then? Mm -hmm. By the time yeah. by the time rents catch up in 30 years and all that stuff. So and look, it was such a little investment up front, right? So that's something I would recommend. And then on your next home, you can still do five percent down. As long as you see it's an upgrade to the bank, they can they will still allow you to do five percent down on your next home. And you can kind of repeat this process over and over. Um, but it has to make sense again to the bank that you're gonna be uh, it's going to be upgrades right so yeah that's something i would definitely recommend yeah absolutely that was a very very good example right so angel and you'll hit a point here right so it's not just about purchasing duplexes but you can also get multiple multiple units from single family residences as well you can build an adu and in some instance even a junior adu and get three units out yeah. of a single family residence so that's a very very important point the yeah. more units you have yeah. the more potential rent so that's a really, really good 
point for uh, future real estate investors. And also something to keep in mind, um, you can still find a, it's, it's a little more specific, but you can find a single family home that's on an R2 lot, right? So where they'll allow you to build a duplex in the back. And it's going to cost you money out of pocket. Yeah, it's not going to be cheap, but I mean, you don't have to do it right away, right? You can do it little by little, but yeah, you can um, look for that as well. So you can still do the ADU, junior ADU, and maybe even a second unit back there. You know, that's getting more into detail about it. But the the bottom line is that you don't need to put 20% down. You don't have to put 10% down to have four units, right? Based on what we just, we just, the example we just gave right now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead, Angel, and jump into our next tip and that's to let appreciation work for you not against it so this goes into putting as little money down and leveraging rather than going in with 20 25 percent down right it takes a lot of time to save 20 25 percent down think about it it could take you a couple years every year you wait home prices go up in this market every year you wait you need to save more money rather you can Go in with three and a half percent down, five percent down, get into your home sooner and let the appreciation work for you so you can get to your 20, 25 percent equity and remove that mortgage insurance. Uh, that's a really good one. Andrew. You want to touch on it real quick? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key right there. Right? Getting into a house, the longer you guys wait to put 20 percent down, the more home prices are going to are going to increase, which means the more money you're going to have to save. Just get in a home with as little as down or whatever you can afford right now. Right, even if it's the down payment assistance options, just get in the home, whatever you need to do, and let that appreciate let that appreciation just do what it does. And you know, it's you're making money just living at your own home, right? So I don't think it gets better than that. Absolutely, yeah. And if you want to look at the appreciation rates for specific cities, zip codes, or anything, you let me know and I can pull that for you and give it over to you. I know I always present what Los Angeles County appreciation rate is, it's about seven percent. A year since 2010 even in the last five years so that's really really strong appreciation we're talking you know in less than three years you will have over 20 percent appreciation i mean over 20 percent equity so really really important uh let's go ahead angel jump into the next one this is build the asset column and then go for cash flow later so this is specifically if you're a, a younger investor right if you're a younger real estate investor or you don't plan to retire in the next you know, 20, 15 years, then this is something that I would recommend for you. What I'm pretty much saying is rather than trying to purchase property for cash flow, right? Putting 20, 25% down and just trying to get as much cash flow as you can, rather go for that building, building that asset column. As many properties as you can that are appreciating as fast as possible so that you know, your home, that asset column, the number there, it increases faster, right? Because when the, the that when that number is higher, you have more options. And at that point, you can start to, uh, you know, sell property to go for cash flow um, or do, do, do whatever you think is probably the best, right? But go for the asset column rather as opposed to going for uh, cash flow. And you want to touch on this real quick? Yeah, I mean, I agree with it. You know, this is all about game planning and figuring out what what you what works best for you. To be honest, even putting 20, 25% in, in LA County right now, you're not gonna cash flow much on your properties, right? It's just, that's just how much mortgages are. You will be making some money, but um, more importantly, you would just be, you know, getting, building that asset column and, and gaining a, a bigger net worth. But, um, you know, it's just all about you and your game plan. You know, there's nothing wrong with going for cash flow. It's just, you have to know your markets. 
right? In LA, you're not going to get that cash flow. If you're looking for a cash flow market, you're going to have to go to a place where home prices are less. Um, we're putting 20 to 25 percent is a lot easier, and you can and uh, you can be rent you can be cash flowing on one of your properties a thousand dollars a month, you know. So like in the Midwest and maybe down in the South, there's properties out there that that can create that for you. But um, the more the more asset, the more net worth you have. Like Anthony said, the the bigger more leverage you're gonna have to make moves in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. So really, really important and. What we're stressing with this is you pretty much don't want to sell any properties, right? If you don't have to, uh, that way you're just building that asset column as opposed to getting rid of properties and you know leveling off the asset column. You just want it to continue to increase year over year over year until you know you get to a point like I, you know, for instance, my goal is to have twenty million dollars in assets, right, in real estate assets. Once I have that twenty million dollars in real estate assets, then at that point I feel comfortable with where I'm at. I'm gonna start to go for cash flow and start to uh you know 1031 exchange properties or start to sell properties for cash flow so that i can you know live comfortably off of the assets that i've created right so this goes into our next point and it's to use 1031 exchanges to defer capital gains so many of you homies already know what a 1031 exchange is but for those of you that don't know what it pretty much is is when you sell a property, right, and it sells for over two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars, if you're a, if you're a single person, or five hundred thousand dollars if you're a couple and it's your primary residence, that would be considered capital gains. Anything more than that that limit, or if it's an investment property and you sell it, any anything that you sell it for more more than what you bought it for, right? So any profit that you make from that, that is also considered capital gains. And capital gains is tax, right? 15, 20%, depending on your bracket. So you can actually defer this capital gains if you purchase another property of greater equal value. Let me give you an example here. Let's just say you have an investment property that you purchased for $500,000, right? And you wanna you know, sell it in the future because you wanna invest into something else. That's, uh, you wanna invest into, let's just say, uh, a big commercial 10 unit property, right? And you have uh, maybe you, you can probably sell that property for about $800,000 now, right? It's been, it's been five years. So you have $300,000 in profit there. That would be $300,000 that you would have to pay in capital gains, but you can 1031 exchange, right? And purchase that commercial 10 unit building and use all your money that you use. So it has to be of greater or equal value. So that commercial unit is to be at least $1 million or $800,000 or more. And then you can defer those capital gains. So you don't pay capital gains anymore. That 300,000 goes straight into that unit um, to for your down payment. And that's doesn't even include, you know, the the principal pay down that you've had on that on that property and so forth. So it's just the first capital gain. So it doesn't slow you down, right? So you're pretty much not paying capital gains until the very, very end when you decide to start selling property off and then once you sell property off, that's at the very end when you, when you start to start to pay capital gains. But if you just continue to just 1031 exchange, that's how you can build your asset column faster and faster and faster and faster and just keep deferring the capital gains so that you don't really have to pay <laughs> for any at all. Or you can even just continue it up into onto your heirs and so forth so that it, you don't even see capital gains ever in your lifetime. So this is something that's really, really important. I hope that kind of explains it. I know it was kind of mumbo jumbo at a point, but um, Angel, what catches your your attention about this 1031 exchange to defer capital gains? Definitely a great way to leverage, you know, 
your your assets, right? That's what kind of going back to that last point where you want to build the asset column. This is when a 1031 exchange um, comes in, comes into play, right? Where you can leverage that money you made on your properties to go for something bigger, right? So if you guys want to have a two unit or a three unit property and you can buy a commercial unit that's seven, you know, seven, eight units, and you're going to be making more money every month or you're going to be able to, you know, um, cash flow more money. This is when that, that comes into play and it's, mm -hmm. it's extremely important to, to have that asset column if you want to continue to, you know, build your net worth and, and move your money around and, and just cash flow later in the future, right? Um, that's just when the 1031 exchanges will be a perfect, perfect um, scenario to use it for. Um, again, it just goes back to, to to what your goals are as a real estate investor. Again, if you want to cash flow, you can go to the Mideast, you can go to the South, you know, you can go out to, to Cleveland or to, yeah, like Ohio, Mich Michigan, all those areas, and you can find a home, a duplex for $100,000, but at the end of the day, that, that um property is not most likely not going to appreciate that much right i could wait here in los angeles so you know there's a pros and cons to each of it but a 1031 exchange is definitely a good way to leverage your assets and leverage your appreciation yeah absolutely right so basically what you would do is build that asset column as high as you can right and then at a certain point you get comfortable with what that amount is you start to 1031 exchange those properties into cash flow properties and then that's when you start to live the comfortable life that you've been really dreaming of, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I hope that gives you a really good idea of what this real estate market is like and gives you good tips. Again, I'm going to repeat those five tips. is to purchase a multifamily with an FHA loan. It's to leverage and purchase multiple pro properties with low down payments as opposed to going 20, 25% down. It's letting appreciation work for you and not against it. To build that asset column first and then go for cash flow later. And then lastly, it's to use 1031 exchange to defer capital gains. So again, want to thank you, homies, for joining us for this real estate podcast. If you have any questions or tips or anything that you want us to address, let us know. Me and Angel are always available. You can catch Angel at Your Mortgage Angel on Instagram. And then obviously our Instagram is at the level no scoop. With that said, I want to wish you all the best. Take care and stay safe, y'all. Thank you. Hey, homies, it's Anthony. This podcast contains my opinions and is for educational purposes only. It does not guarantee any projections and should not serve as a basis for any purchase or sale in real estate.